0: Hello, and welcome back, and Happy New Year. I'm Steve Murphy, a trust and estates attorney with McGuire Woods LLP, and this is Legacy Planning Once Removed, my podcast on estate planning, property, trusts, taxes, legacy, family, and everything else on my mind. Speaking of things on my mind, I've heard a bunch of chatter online and on morning radio shows, I I listened to a few, about how long you can say Happy New Year. I love saying it, so I'm going to keep saying it. But apparently the Internet has told, has told me that one week is enough. So after about January 7th, you should stop saying it as a routine greeting. Just FYI. So yes, here we are. It's January. My mother used to have a great joke. She uh, attributed it to a comedian, but honestly, I can't find a confirmation online, so I'll just say it. She would say, it was an exciting New Year's party. At the stroke of midnight, everyone started doing their taxes. So I hate to do it, but here we are. At the stroke of midnight, let's all start thinking about making lifetime gifts. That's a little absurd, but it just reminds us of one of the key issues we talk about here on Once Removed. We don't want issues like taxes to get in the way of the overall plan. We don't want the tax tail to wag the legacy dog. In this episode, we're going to talk about a particular kind of planning. It's a way to make relatively small gifts each year and hopefully carry out your overall goals while well, saving some gift tax and estate tax, although that savings will probably be just at your death. So here it goes. As we've talked about in other episodes, there is a federal gift tax. There is a limit on how much you can give to someone during life and upon death. And if you go over that limit, if you go over your gift and estate tax exemption, then you have to pay gift tax on gifts during life, and you have to pay estate tax on gifts upon death. And that tax rate is high. It's currently 40%. But keep in mind that this limit might not apply to many people. In 2024, the gift tax exemption is $13,610,000. And spouses can take steps to double up this exemption. But as we've also talked about in other episodes of this podcast, the exemption wasn't always so high. In 1999, that exemption was $650,000. Now, as I remind my law students, $650,000 was a lot of money in 1999, and it's a lot of money now but it's nothing close to the $13,610,000 of exemption that individuals can pass free of gift and estate tax under current law. So again, this issue of estate tax might not be a concern for a lot of people. But as as we've also talked about, this exemption might go down in the future. But for most gifts, if you make a gift to anyone or to any trust, you have to use gift tax exemption. And if you don't have an exemption left, you have to pay that gift tax. But when the gift tax was first enacted, the question came up, do I really need to use gift tax exemption for every gift to everyone? What about a holiday gift or a gift to a coworker or an envelope with cash to a child or a grandchild on a birthday? The actual answer is that even those small gifts have gift tax consequences. So Congress put in place almost like a de minimis exception. They said that each year you can give a certain amount to any individual in the world and you don't have to use any gift tax exemption, that amount is $10,000 indexed for inflation. It started getting indexed for inflation in 1998. So for 2023, it was $17,000. For 2024, it's $18,000. So based on this, you could give an envelope full of $18,000 cash to each of your children and you wouldn't use any gift tax exemption. Sounds like a great way to make tax efficient gifts and a lot of clients are really interested in those. So let's talk about some options here. First, there's the option of just the gift of cash. You could give that envelope with $18,000 of cash each year to a child. And those gifts can really add up. Do some quick math. And if you make those gifts for 20 years, then that's $360,000 that isn't in your estate at the end of those 20 years. So if estate taxes otherwise do, that's a savings of 40% of $144,000 so those small gifts can really add up and of course you can multiply those if you make gifts each year to all of your children and grandchildren and other beneficiaries this can quickly multiply in terms of tax savings my favorite example of this is from a case called michael versus commissioner in that case the donors had 60 beneficiaries presumably children grandchildren other descendants and all their spouses at the time, the annual exclusion from gift tax was $12,000 per donee, per recipient. So they transferred $720,000 out of their estates in one year by giving $12,000 to all those 60 individuals. By the way, there was some drama that happened after that, that meant that this wound up in court. It has to do with an arbitration clause and a trust. That's something I've written a lot about. And, and in fact, I'm going to make a note. I should talk about that in the new year. That's another episode, how to build in structures to reduce or avoid dispute in your estate planning documents, but that's a separate issue. So remember that in terms of these annual exclusion gifts, this cash has to get transferred in that year. You can't double up in a year uh, with some exceptions, or if you miss one year, you can't make two gifts in the following year. So the best practice is to have the money actually deposited into the account in that given year and a lot of clients do that in January in case they pass away during the year and haven't made those gifts. So we're talking about a gift of cash. This first uh, strategy, it's simple and it's efficient. But the problem is that now the beneficiary has this cash and they might not spend it the way you would want, or they might even be a minor, where they can't receive that cash outright. In that case for a minor, an option is a miner's account This is an account in the name of the minor with a parent or other person as custodian. So you can make those transfers to that account each year for a minor, like a minor grandchild, for example. But the problem is that the minor's account only qualifies for this special treatment where it doesn't use gift tax exemption if the minor can get all of the funds at age 18 or 21. Now that's not all all that bad. Again, this minor's account is simple and efficient. But again, let's do some math. If you transfer $18,000 per year into this kind of account for a minor for 21 years, and if the money grows 5% each year net of taxes, then after 21 years, the beneficiary will have an account of about $675,000. Wow, that is striking. I have a lot of clients who start down this path of making $18,000 gifts to uh, various descendants, thinking that it would be great to save a lot of estate tax in the future, But then they suddenly realize that this 21-year-old is basically going to get an account with something like $675,000 in it. And I don't need to comment on whether this might have negative effects on that 21-year-old's personal and professional development. But that's how these annual exclusion gifts work. That is, in order to get this treatment, it has to look like that kind of gift of cash where the person gets the immediate benefit. For tax purposes, it's called a present interest gift. So how about an alternative? People started to get creative. They said, well, instead of giving $18,000 cash or putting that into a miner's account where they get it all at age 21, can I put $18,000 into a trust and still not use any gift tax exemption? Well, Congress said no. That exclusion is designed to cover direct routine gifts. If you put money into a trust, it doesn't seem like the kind of gift of, of cash of present interest that Congress intended to provide an exception for. And then someone came up with a clever tactic. They said, well, I'm going to put $18,000 into a trust and I'm going to give the beneficiary the right to withdraw that $18,000 for a period of time. Then it looks like that kind of direct routine gift. And the court actually agreed in that case. This is a case from years ago called Crummy versus Commissioner. So we sometimes call these withdrawal rights Crummy withdrawal rights. In the case of Crummy, the annual exclusion amount was much lower, but the same principle applies you can put that $18,000 into a trust and give that beneficiary the right to withdraw it for a period of time. And if they don't withdraw it, the money stays in trust with the protections that you might want to have in any event. But if you make that kind of gift to a trust, you should consider filing a gift tax return. Even if one isn't required, it's important to properly allocate generations giving transfer tax exemption to the trust, and maybe it's also helpful just to document these gifts for tax reporting purposes. And by the way, there's various nuances and alternatives here, and we always have to remember those issues of GST tax. The GST tax laws apply differently in cases of annual exclusion. So here we are. We have the technique, the annual exclusion gifts, and we have three strategies, an outright gift of cash, a gift of cash to a miner's account, and a gift to a trust. But here on Once Removed, we want to think about the strategy. We want to think big picture. So think about these gifts over time. Do they fit with your overall goals of how to share wealth? Some clients love the idea. They think of these gifts as a kind of safe learning environment. If you make that kind of gift to an adult, yes, that adult might spend it all. And they might regret it, but they also might learn something from it. But at least they've only spent only $18,000. Or maybe that 21-year-old receives that account and they spend all the $675,000 when they turn 21 but at least they've only spent that and not some larger amount they might get later. And again, maybe they've learned a lesson as a result. But some clients really don't like the idea of these gifts. They don't like the idea of subsidizing income over time, and they especially don't like the idea of a large amount passing to someone at age 21 or some other age. So these annual exclusion gifts certainly aren't for everyone, and they should be properly and carefully structured, again, with the uh, the idea in mind that this might not even save gift tax or estate tax if the person wouldn't have to pay estate tax in any event. So that is, we don't want to set up a New Year's party where at the stroke of midnight, the client just mindlessly starts handing out envelopes of $18,000. Well, then again, I guess that does sound like a pretty interesting party, but you get my point. I'm Steve Murphy, and this has been Legacy Planning Once Removed, my podcast on thoughtful estate planning.